Why do people line up at a pasta bar? Is classification a political act? Is football religion? Why do they say fake news instead of propaganda? Why do you wake up every morning and try to recreate the same appearance that you've had in the previous days to be recognized? <laughs> Why? 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 Study religion and find out. Study religion and find out. Study religion and find out. Study religion and find out! Welcome to Study Religion, the podcast coming from the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. I'm Professor Michael Altman, and I want to begin with a story about a tablecloth. The, uh, the tablecloth. Do you know what I'm talking about? The tablecloth. Yes. I sat down with the chair of our department, Russell McCutcheon, to get him to tell me the story about a tablecloth. I've written a few blog posts, and I got to admit they start to blur. I, I end up repeating myself. This is one about the about. It was, I think it was your first honors day here about just bringing a tablecloth. Oh yes. And so the the little the importance uh, or the difference that a tablecloth can make. Can you? <laughs> That's good. I I I've forgotten that. I have a, a photograph in my office, my my incredibly cluttered office. Anyone who's seen it of that very first honors day. So honors day is a. In April here at the University of Alabama every year, other schools do something comparable. Student awards are giving out, grad awards, undergrad awards, departments do ceremonies. Uh, some cat classes are canceled on the Friday of that week. And uh, I'm not sure whether the department did it prior to 2001, but we decided to do it in 2001. Now when we do it, we have banners hanging on our balconies. Anyone who's seen our building pictures on social media might know what I mean. Students' names on them, some nice catering. Moms and dads come, uh, some awards are given out, it's, uh, some fun things are given out. In 2001, on the other hand, we, uh, we had uh, none of those accoutrements. And uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, in hindsight, a little pathetic. And that was back in the days of uh, um, taking a roll of film to be developed. And if you wanted it on the web, you would then scan the photo. So, you know, we invested in a scanner. So... Uh, I brought in a tablecloth from home, and uh, Betty, the long-standing department secretary who still works here, brought in some vases and got a little, uh, I won't say pathetic, but a little bouquet of flowers um, to put on a table on the balcony, pulled out of a classroom to have our little honors day ceremony, which was, uh, I can't remember what I wrote in the blog post, to be honest, but it was, um, in hindsight, just a sad little event. <laughs> A sad little <laughs> you, you were much more positive in the blog post. <laughs> but but it was um, one of the early rumbles of what we've become now, that we, for one of the first times, uh, recognized some student work with, at the time, what were tiny little scholarship opportunities we were able to give them. Tiny, right? Um, but faculty were on the balcony. Faculty congratulated them. Younger faculty, um, the department at that time had long been uh, three or four faculty members, often three, who had worked here since the uh, 60s or late 70s, and they had retired. So people who have now been here quite a while at that point in time had only been here a few years. And it really was a, a, a changing the guard kind of moment where they, um, I think, in hindsight, I would hope, I was the only person with tenure at the time, um, started to feel a new ownership for the place. And uh, the tablecloth wasn't completely responsible for that, 
it was largely responsible for that, I realize. But but it was that little moment where you, you know, anyone who studies ritual is going to start talking about this, right? Where you try to use little devices to create a different sense of, of a space. And uh, um, that was the, you know, that wasn't literally the start, but I mean, that was the start of uh, a lot of efforts like that at a lot of different places to get to this place today. I love that story about the tablecloth because I think it sums up so much about what makes this department special, not just special in the field for all the really innovative work that we're doing here, but special um, for the community that we have here, special for the department and the way it feels. And so that's part of what we want to try to communicate on this podcast. This is a new venture, a new experiment that we're launching. Um, and I thought the tablecloth was a great way to introduce ourselves. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we do in the Department of Religious Studies uh, here at the University of Alabama, please keep listening. You'll find out a lot more. But I think um, I want to let Dr. McCutcheon continue to introduce our department. Um, and one way to do that is to talk about the logo. We got a logo pretty early on. So I still remember... <laughs> Uh, coming up with the idea for that logo when I saw a, a different building on campus, our Natural History Museum, that had a stylized version of their own building, and that was their um, logo. Well, the tablecloth, the logo, I thought of the logo for that reason, the tablecloth, you know, studying religion and culture. Um, that some units, um, departments of religious studies, other places, might have um, the illusion of a luxury, and I say illusion for a reason, of taking their um, uh, social existence for granted. And I, I think, you know, ask any good social theorist, and I think they would tell you that social groups do not exist of their own intermomentum, right? They exist because um, members continually uh, uh, re-inject uh, new energy uh, into the group, right? And um, here, as I, as I said a bit ago, the department was long-standing uh, three faculty members. You know, fourth or fifth would come in, but then they would leave, and it was this core three. Uh, we're now ten people, and um, one of the things you don't have to worry about when you're just three people, and if you're in a day and age of higher ed where you don't have a lot of productivity and student credit hour pressures, that you probably don't have to worry much or t think too much about your unit's existence and, and the ability to get a new line, the ability to replace a line if somebody retires or leaves, uh, the ability to say, hey, that's my turf, you know, that, that part of the curriculum is what we study. Um, but as we grew, not even as we grew, thinking back to just trying to make an argument to the uh, state higher ed body that we shouldn't lose the major, that we can be reinvented, um, you need to convince probably a, a wide array of social actors that this thing is real, worthwhile, etc. So that's not just students and faculty, but that's administrators, that's members of the public, that's members of you know, state credentialing boards. If, you know, as in our case, like a number of units in uh, the state of Alabama in the late 90s and early 2000s that were not graduating enough people by state standards. So it's not all about tablecloths, but... It's trying to take social theory seriously. It's about all the various devices that we use. You know, read your Durkheim, right? Durkheim's an old piece of work, but, you know, not in a lot of ways. Trying to use the devices that you have access to to uh, create the conditions in which members um, 
uh, are willing to invest in the group. Yes. Read your Durkheim. Read your Durkheim indeed. Um, so I asked uh, Professor McCutcheon as we're introducing ourselves to this new podcast audience, what one thing, what one thing do you want folks to know about our department and what we're doing and what's going on here? What's the one thing you want to leave everybody with here? One thing. One thing. Oh, I don't know. We're innovative. <laughs> we're trying to do some different things here, that this is an interesting moment in American higher education, North American, you know, European. Um, the study of religion is, like any department, not a, uh, a taken-for-granted necessity of higher education. So in that kind of environment, and, and if you add to that an environment in which the study of religion in a lot of places is, uh, in my opinion, rather sympathetic to its object of study instead of just rigorously descriptive, cross-culturally comparative, and uh, explanatory. You know, why do people do these interesting things? Uh, in many cases, it's not studied as simply another form of fascinating behavior. Human behavior is studied as somehow unique. So in that kind of environment, all those different factors, um, how you don't have to do it the way we've done it. Uh, some things we've done here have been quite successful. Some, th some things haven't, you know. Will there be a second? <laughs> this might be one of them. We'll see. Right? But, but faculty, you know, students as well, but faculty knowing that they have the long-term stake in the department, you know, some faculty, I've written about this too, I think see service as a uh, incursion on their time. But I also, I'm also kind of amazed by that because the service they do, you know, bigger than tablecloths, but the, ta the tablecloth um, uh, benefits us directly because we're the ones hoping to have 25 or 30 year careers in this place. You know, the students who seem to benefit from our service, they come and go. You know, they're gone in three years or four years. So the one message I guess would be is, is that we've been trying to be very entrepreneurial and... Uh, uh, innovative and a little inventive here in our department. Uh, the new MA, I think, uh, speaks to that, the, the dual emphasis on social theory and uh, digital skills and the public humanities. You know, so how can you be a little inventive, uh, and, and what benefit will you yourself get from it, um, let alone students, um, to help secure your place in the university? And that's what we're trying to do, is be a little innovative, a little inventive, a little entrepreneurial. And that's what this podcast is part of. Um, it comes from me looking around at podcasts on religious studies and seeing a space for something that wasn't just interviewing scholars about their work or putting a, a public lecture on iTunes, but doing something more, trying to open up our department so that you get a sense of what it's like around here. What is it like to walk the balconies at Manly Hall on our beautiful campus here in Tuscaloosa? What are our students working on? What are our guests that come through and give talks? What are they thinking about? And also a place to comment about the state of the field. What's going on in the field, the discipline of religious studies, and what do we think about that? And so there'll be all sorts of genres of, of audio that come through here, whether it's student projects, audio projects, whether it's interviews with people here on campus in our department or guests, whether it's roundtable discussions about television and culture and politics, but just all the ways that the great work, the innovative work that we're doing here can get out and you can get a sense of what it's like to be in this department and a part of this department. I hope those of you out there who have been a part of this department will find this as kind of a cool trip back. Um, so in that vein, I, I sat down as well with Miranda um, Simmons, who is the uh, graduate director for our brand new master's degree in religion and culture. And you heard... Um, 
Dr. McCutcheon mentioned that a little bit in my talk with him. And so I wanted to ask uh, Dr. Simmons, you know, what is this degree all about? Like, what's going on with this? And I thought she had some great answers. Well, it's a master's in religion and culture, and there was some back and forth about whether we're supposed to call it, you know, like, do we name it a master's in religious studies? Do we name it um, something about cultural studies? Um, and I think that that actually, the fact that we landed on a master's degree in religion and culture, I think tells you a little bit about um, the basic gist or emphasis of the program, because we want to emphasize what we see as the two basic strengths of the department, which are social theory and um, a kind of analytical approach to religious studies that we more or less share. Um, and then on the other hand, an emphasis in digital humanities, public humanities, which are not conflatable, which is a thing <laughs> that you can talk more about. Um, but, but the emphasis that we've had in the program about um, on, on social media. So there's social theory on one side, but then there's social media on the other side. So how do we get these questions and analyses out into um, a kind of general audience, broader publics, who's hearing the kinds of um, the kinds of work that we're doing or the kinds of questions that we're asking, and and how do we have those conversations with them? So this is a this is a degree that will that will you know kind of blur the boundary between those two worlds. And so uh, I asked Dr. Simmons, "This sounds great, but where's the religion?" We're a department of religious studies. Where's the religion in all this? Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's part of the whole thrust of the way that we think about social theory, though, right? Like, religion is this conceptual tool that we use to think about society, um, to think about something that we call culture. How is that different from something we call politics or something we call history or something we call the past or text or whatever? So, like, if, if we think about religion as a conceptual tool, um, if we think about that in relation to culture and the world around us, um, then then hopefully all of these things are, are kind of, you know, super relevant. Um, there was an article a while back about like how a humanities degree is a humanities degree is a humanities degree is a humanities degree. Like, I don't want to put that kind of blurry face on on disciplinary boundaries. Says the English PhD in the religious But I have a PhD in English. And so, you know, I mean, like when I first came into, when I first met the department, um, the initial conversation that I had with, you know, the, the, a person who would become a future colleague was, oh, you do what we do. Like, are you sure? Um, but, but sure I did, and sure I do, because I talk about, you know, the rhetoric of authenticity and, and how do we think about truth claims um, or, or how do we use rhetoric to, to make claims in the first place. So yeah, I, I think that I think that that's the, the data is you know that religion is, is a kind of byproduct but is is something that's not like the starting point. It's, it's a it's a thing that we can apply our questions to. It's not the starting point. Another master's degree in religious studies. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we need another master's degree in religious studies if religious studies is conceived of as a space where people go to get descriptive knowledge of all sorts of different kinds of um, uh, areas of the world or religious traditions. I think that we, I think we have a lot of those. I think that the proliferation of that kind of approach to religious studies, though, is exactly why we need 
um, something happening in religious studies at a higher le- higher ed grad level um, that allows students to think about those um, analytical skills in a broader, more marketable, job-based um, skill set acquisition mode. <laughs> like, I think that um, too often uh, the crisis, the so-called crisis of the humanities, is is projected in this super defensive way by people who don't see the humanities as being relevant outside of a very traditional um, kind of classic model of 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 just of just learning about ideas and being mm. super interested in those yeah. ideas, but then but then not really seeing their like they're they're so self evidently important that we don't have to think about what we do with those ideas, you right. know. So so simultaneously we make a case for the self evidency of those ideas and fail to utilize them in any way that actually articulates their importance so, <laughs> i have a bucket full of ideas wow all of the i don't ideas. know but i have it that's right and um and so and so this this degree i think is is going to allow students to really think more broadly about the kinds of skills that they're getting intellectually um and to and to start getting equipped with um with certain things that they can take out into a variety of job sites so if they go on to get a PhD in religious studies and work to change the field and, and to add their own critical intervention, awesome. But if they want to go work for a nonprofit or some kind of, um, you know, uh, archival library or some, you know, um, I don't know, NGO. Um, there was a job just yeah. I saw at the national not national endowment for humanity but national humanities humanity center center yes or national for social media center. and marketing mm-hmm. strategic so. strategic planning um yeah yeah i mean they the, there really really are endless options um there have been all sorts of uh articles written simultaneously with the whole like crisis of humanities things it seems like there are a lot of things coming out about um, why the business world needs more humanities majors, why the corporate world needs more liberal arts degrees, etc. So, so I, I think that this is a way to really start thinking ahead um, in, in those domains. Um, if I am a undergraduate or a teacher of undergrad, well, I am a teacher of undergraduate, <laughs> but if, if I'm looking imagine at Imagine if you will. Imagine, imagine if you will, you're, <laughs> if you're thinking... Uh, if you're a student thinking about graduate school mm-hmm. or uh, a faculty member somewhere who has great students, mm-hmm. how do you know, what's the what's the, the candidate for this newfangled sort of program look like? What are the what are the qualities that are going to make both successful applicants, but also successful MA students in religion and culture at the University yeah, of Alabama? Yeah, I, I think that what really characterizes our students in our department and, and really um, the kinds of students that I imagine thriving in our graduate program too are um, just just really intellectually curious, um, and 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 there's almost a sort of um, how to say. I mean, I, I hear a lot of my students, at least, uh, talking about um, themselves in a way that I recognize when I was an undergraduate, and even into grad school for me, because this sort of thing wasn't really available. I was in a pretty you know kind of traditional um, path in my in my graduate study. Um, but but they kind of they they talk about uh how excited they are about ideas but how 
frustrated they are because they're just interested in everything. I'm too interested in, in all of the ideas. And so what do I do with that? And how do I, and I think that this is a way to kind of hone and, and give a space that appreciates that kind of broad scale thinking um, and, and almost sort of intellectual restlessness um, and, and gives a way to channel that into a lot of different and exciting and sort of innovative um, ways to, to, to think about how to use those ideas instead of, instead of trying to say like, you need to decide by the time your first semester is over um, that you are really interested in yeah. fourth century yeah. tech, or I don't know. The Vedas. Right? right? <laughs> and so um, I, I get not, I don't know, don't go all Seinfeld, like not that there's anything wrong with, like that's, that would, that's also great, right? So like it gives a space where if you are super interested in the Vedas, like sure, um, how can you make the Vedas relevant yeah. and, um, and, and pitch uh, your work with the Vedas in uh, a, a, a digitally savvy context of 21st century academia. Um, what does the study of the Vedas look like now? So like even if there is a kind of um, you know really singular, specific, super invested study of a very particular subject area, you know, word, but then like how do we make that marketable um, and how do we make the uh, the way that you approach that something that isn't going to restrict your options but yeah. just going to give you more yeah yeah well I mean like I'm thinking about when I, I when I went to grad school I didn't know exactly what I wanted to study I just knew that I wanted to keep going to school yeah and and I think that now with the kind of economic anxiety and professional anxiety that plague a lot of incoming, students um, uh, across higher education um, that's not and, and it's not like I had just you know money lying around to do that but but at the time um, this is you know whatever this was ago um, 15 16 years ago when I'm thinking about graduate school um, it was still seen as a net gain to go get loans and keep studying yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Now that's that's no longer a thing that we can take for granted. Um, study for study's sake isn't something that I think yeah. um, gets translated as a as a as a kind of end in itself. And so, but but the intellectual curiosity that students get as undergraduates that just that where where they don't necessarily have a super specific career path in mind. Um, but but are really interested in in whatever kinds of questions they have um, about their social worlds is still I yeah. think a thing right yeah. so so how do we um, speak to the economic pressures and the job anxieties about making marketable the the kinds of questions and the kinds of interests that students still have. Um, and, and make that not some kind of risk, you know, yeah. benefit analysis that they have to make where they need to choose between their intellectual pursuits or their economic viability in a job market yeah. that punishes need, them. Hence, right? so hence like, the two tracks, or yeah. the two aspects of the, it's not really yeah. tracks, but the two aspects yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, 
So applications are live for the fall. They're live. If you hear this and you're like, I got to be there. <laughs> that's, that's right. Open. At, Go to our website. Click yes. on degrees. Um, the master's degree in religion and culture is, is one of the things that you can click on once you get to the degrees page. Um, and then with description of, of the program, you'll also see this big button that says apply now. Apply so now. Click on that. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Hey, thank you. And that will do it for the first episode of Study Religion, the podcast from the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. I am Professor Michael Altman. And the music you're hearing right now, you've heard throughout the show, is from Disparition. More information about them at disparition.info. And we will see y'all next time. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Keely McMurray. I am an English and religion major from Huntsville, Alabama. Study Religion is a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. For more information on our department, go to www.religion.ua.edu or find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash rel at ua. Have a comment or question about the podcast? You can email us at religiousstudies at as.ua.edu or reach out to us on Twitter at at studyreligion. Like to see pretty pictures of historic campus buildings and squirrels? Follow us on Instagram at at studyreligion. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a comment and a rating. That helps other folks find the show and makes you a very giving person. Special thanks to the REL 490 Capstone Seminar for the show's introduction. Roll Tide! All right. Um, I feel like we're in the Democracy see now, I can, now Firehouse Studio. That's sweet. The NPR radio hour. <laughs> <laughs>